Welcome to The Ross Project, a podcast covering no bullshit, 100% real, raw, and unfiltered rags to riches stories from amazing human beings around the world with emphasis on life, personal development, family tech, and marketing. Of course, I'm your host, Ivan Temelkov, and today I am joined by Mr. James Golden. What's going on, James? What's up, man? How are we doing today? I'm doing good, man. Hey, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. Really appreciate it. I'm excited to have you on the show finally. I know we've been chatting for a minute, but <laughs> finally, finally to get the story out and to hear it all, lay it all on the table. And um, before we do that, I want to share with viewers and listeners a little bit about your background before we delve into the story. So uh, James Golden is a respected entrepreneur, pavement preservation activist, published author, podcast host and speaker. Um, James got his start within the world of business and consulting and entrepreneurship at the age of 19. What started out as a part-time job has turned into a 22-year career and passion for helping municipalities across the U.S. to save taxpayer dollars, maximize their annual budget, increase the conditions of their roadways. God knows we need that. Yes, sir. What he is <laughs> when he when he is not advocating for roadway preservation, James enjoys helping others in the constant pursuit of becoming the best version of themselves through his good to golden podcasting, personal and group coaching initiative. OK, that was a mouthful right a there. Mouthful? But... <laughs> yeah, it was, man. But, um, you know, you, you have a great story and I'm a sucker for great stories personally and it's totally totally up the alley of this podcast so let's let's go way back to 19 year old james tell us where you've been what you've seen and how did this 22 year journey evolved up to modern day dude this oh man this is crazy now i'll be 43 years old this year so we talk about that i guess that's pushing 23 24 years now wow uh, in in terms of this whole career thing so yeah let me tell you, man, 19-year-old James, you know, there's there's a lot of, uh, there's a few decades here in my story at this point, right, being 40 plus years old, but, um, you know, I found myself coming out of high school at 17 years old, actually. I was one of those that, that graduated at 17, you know, my birthday was in the summer type of thing, mm-hmm. and I'm going to tell you, man, I was really just all about playing baseball, you know, we had a very high-level uh, school for, for baseball, you know, state championships. Uh, unfortunately, my team was not able to get that done, but uh, we made it pretty deep. So my senior in high school, I was really just focused on girls and and, and baseball, man. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, there was no one at that point in time that was really in my life talking about like, you know, going to college and James, what are you going to do after high school and all these types of things. Um, didn't really have a lot of conversations about that with my parents. You know, I was just out there doing my thing, you know, and I had, had, a, had a girlfriend in high school that um, coming out of coming out of high school, uh, I, I had a friend of the family, if you will, kind of stop by. He was two years ahead of me during that summer after right after baseball season. So it had been like, let's just say it was June. Yeah. And he had this huge envelope, uh, or, or not envelope, like case full of like drawings in it, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was showing these things to me. So they were drafting drawings, you know, like drafting and design. I was like, man, this is this is pretty cool, man. This is what you're doing. He's like, yeah, man, I work for this engineering company, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this sounds pretty dope, man. I want to do something like this. Hey, mom, check this stuff out, man. Can we go find a school for this? And, you know, here locally where I was at, Central Ohio Technical <laughs> College offered that. So 
I went into the School of Drafting and Design, man, like a skilled trade, two-year program, um, pretty much right out of high school. I started that fall. Yeah. So 18 years old, uh, still with the same girl from high school. Um, and we got some great news, you know, honestly. Uh, the news was maybe not great for an 18-year-old at the time or a 17-year-old for her, but, man, I found out that she was pregnant. Okay. So, so the bottom line was I took my – you know, I was a year out of high school and took my girlfriend that was still in high school to her prom, like, gosh, how many months pregnant? Seven months pregnant? Eight months Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, so we were that story from a small town graduating class of 100. You know, this, this is pretty small here. Uh, so 19-year-old James will catch up to that pretty quick. 19-year-old James uh, found himself becoming a father, uh, trying to figure out, you know, we're going to get married and all this type of stuff, dealing with those pressures as young kids, oh. both sides, her and I. Um, right about that time, you know, I had been working out of high school while I was going to, going to school. I was working at Foot Locker, getting prepared in the evenings. I had an internship at the Ohio Department of Transportation. And yeah. I was the gopher there. I, mean, I was the intern. So I'd be working with, the, you know, a little bit of drafting stuff, you know, for, for my school efforts, working with some of the engineers. But mostly I was just scanning documents and copying and stuff like that. Man, let's be honest. But it showed me a little bit of the world of engineering, if you will what was going on there. And I got an opportunity, you know, that's what life's about, right? Opportunities, you know, so, yeah. you know, golden opportunities is something I talk about for obvious reasons. Uh, but I'm always cognizant of, of opportunities and um, always been a little bit of a risk taker, even in my childhood and stuff like that. But the bottom line was I got a phone call one day, man, old school, you know, I remember back in the day when you had to like take the phone off the wall and you're talking to it and walk around with an 80 foot cord. Yeah. It was one of those days. Yep. And it was someone, um, remember I played baseball, right? So playing baseball at that level, we helped the youth, you know, doing some coaching and being a little bit of a mentor in the summer programs. Right. One of those coaches kind of got wind of what I was doing after high school and reached out to me and said, hey, I got a guy you need to meet. He's doing this thing called pavement management. He needs some help this summer. Um, I, I told him that you're working out at ODOT. You might be a good fit to kind of figure some stuff out. He said, I might pay you a little bit better. And by the way, I know you're about to have a kid. You know, that's true. That news gets out fast in a small town, right? Even, even back in the day when there was no internet or social media. Word of mouth, so, man. Word of mouth, man. <laughs> so the long short was I met this gentleman at the Tim Hortons. He explained to me what this payment management stuff was. I was making $7.50 an hour at ODOT. And honestly, I really wasn't seeing much of a career there. I mean, like, oh, my Lord, I, it felt like a dark dungeon I got to go into every day. People seem miserable with their lives, working in cubicles. And I was picking up on all this at a young age. This guy was giving me an opportunity to go out on the roadways, evaluate conditions of roads, you know, and I was basically all by myself. I didn't have a manager breathing down my neck, you know. So I, by the way, I took the opportunity. I left ODOT, which a lot of people say, well, gee, man, that could have been your ticket, you yeah. know state job benefits especially having a kid at 19 i didn't look at it that way i looked at it was like oh my god i'm probably gonna be miserable working here the rest yeah. of my life yeah. let's just try something new so that's what i did man so i will fast track it from there it's pretty pretty self-explanatory i worked for, for that man he was a civil engineer a professional engineer a mentor to me a little bit of a father figure you know yeah. he and i spent a lot of intimate times as i helped build his company so I kind of turned into an entrepreneur for him, building his brand and company. After 13 years with him, I was ultimately the director of operations, had a team, managed a team, project management type tasks. Yeah. I was a remote employee, employee before that was a term. 
you know, I basically worked out of my house. You know, I, I did a lot of data analysis, wrote reports, called clients on the phone. You know, email was still kind of working its way through stuff. What uh, year was this too, James? I'm just yeah, curious. So, so, gosh, this would have been 2000. We'll just call it, you know, the year 2000. Yeah. You know, 1999 is kind of when I got my start and all this stuff. But, yeah, you know, so so that whole process, man, I just I'm still married. We were getting yeah. a lot of credit card debt. We, we're just living the American dream, man. Hey, yeah. for, for only six small pizzas a month that you don't eat, you can afford this. You know, that's how this stuff was all pitched on credit. <laughs> uh, we yeah. built a house at 20 years old. You know what I mean? And it's not because we were making tons of money, bro. I was making 10, 15 hours because we were sold on that idea that we could do it. You know, what's really, really interesting, just a quick tidbit that you mentioned about your story, and I want you to keep going is you talked about credit is that what a lot of people don't know, believe it or not, in the United States is that revolving credit is the highest in the United States out of any country in the world, because it's such a huge moneymaker on interest. Such a moneymaker. And a lot of us as Americans, we were sold on that idea that it's just yep. an extra 300 a month. It's just an extra 200 a month. Like you can finance whatever you want in America. Spending money that you technically don't have. Yeah. It, it, that, became, that became the American way. It really yeah. did in a lot of ways because, yeah. you know, through the inflation process and time and all that type of things, you know, and marketing became really important. You know, I'm not person like part of my story. I grew up yeah. watching Michael Jordan and Bo Jackson. Those are my idols. Hell yeah. Really all into the, the Eric Jordan marketing campaign the bow nose campaign. I was that kid that had to go have this stuff. Yeah. You know, and the point was as an American, as an adult, this was your ticket to getting it without earning it or really have, you could, you could do yeah. it. This house was, you did your spot on, man. This house was just another one of those opportunities. So yeah, my wife stayed at home for the most part of the time. We ended up getting married. Yeah. You know, ended up having two kids early on. And then uh, about 10 years into that, we, we brought in our daughter. Um, our relationship was rocky. Let's just be honest. You got two kids getting married. Yeah. Um, in my way, I was kind of moving through the world in her way. She was kind of stuck. She didn't get that opportunity to, to go to any schooling or anything like yeah. that. I completely get it. Uh, we just butted heads 24 seven. This wasn't a great relationship, man. And, you know, after 13 years, it was, it was on the rocks. Let's just call it what it was. Yeah. Um, really solidified a lot of stuff for me all happened within a 12 month period, dude. It was crazy. So December 28th of 2010, three days after Christmas, uh, the company brought me into HR. We, we know how this stuff usually tends to go. Sat down and remember, this man was like a mentor to me, father me, just said, hey, I'm going to let you know I'm shutting it down. I'm like, you're shutting what down? Yeah. I'm shutting down the business. What? Now, he was probably 60 at this time, maybe 60, 60, 65. I have to really go do the math. But the point was, I'm like, oh, are you retiring? He's like, no, I'm not retiring. I'm like, okay, well, did you sell the company? Yeah. No, it's other company. I'm just kind of hanging it up. The bottom line was I was confused. I didn't understand what was going on. I wasn't getting any information. Yeah. And basically I was told we're letting everybody else go. James, you're going to run this last project. It's going to lead us through February because I had a family and medical insurance and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so he, he, he at least gave me that. And he said, but, but what we're done, you know, come, come March one, this is done. And I would just said, okay. So I left that day. I cried for the first time in my life. Like, what the fuck am I going to do, man? I got two new cars. I got a house. We, we just built another house, by the way. Our relationship, <laughs> I know it's not that great. My wife's not going to like this. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So the point was, that 45-minute drive home 
opened up my eyes and it said, Hey man, you've been thinking about starting your own company anyway. This is not happening to you, dude. This is, this is happening for you. I know we're both involved with arts. Hey man, Ed Milet is one of our guys. And yeah. that's why groups like Arte are important to me because when you have other people at that level of success, saying things that you've been thinking or saying your whole life, it just hits, you know, we're going to give Ed the credit and the glory for that statement, but broad and yeah. thinking that forever. But the bottom line was, I said, this is an opportunity to start my own company. So I go home yeah. to explain this. Hey, I just lost my job, but don't worry. I'm going to start my own company. It's all good. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and your I, wife's I, reactions like James. Yeah, sure. I believe that. Right. <laughs> man, I, I, honestly, bro, we didn't have much of a relationship at that yeah. time. So I honestly, cause people ask, I don't really remember. Yeah. I, I'm not saying she hated on it or was embraced it. I, I just don't have that memory, man. I mean, we weren't in a good spot. So the yeah. bottom line was, uh, come March one, I did that. By June, my wife had left. She wow. kind of decided this wasn't going to work out. By August, September, I was in my parents' basement because that house that we were over leveraged and extended upon, because we did it again. I told you, we didn't just build a little house. We built a nice yeah. house in the right yeah. area. So all of a sudden, man, I was stuck with a, a lot of credit card debt, a lot of the situation. Um, I just started my company. I told you previously I was a remote type of employee. Yeah. Nah, man, I'm on the road now. I'm yeah. back on the road performing condition evaluations on roads, knocking on municipality doors to gain business, living the life on the road, dude. I come home on weekends. Um, when it was my time with the kids, I go all in with them. I had a 10-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a one-year-old at the time. And I was in my mom and dad's basement because I lost my damn house. So I had to short sale it just to get out from under it. Like, thank God I was able wow. to do that. Didn't get foreclosed upon. But, you know, we were sharing stories uh, prior yeah. to this conversation, man, like credit score and stuff like that. Dude, I went from a, I just went rock bottom. Found myself drinking a lot to try to pass through uh, what was really happening in my life. But yeah. the silver lining was I gave myself, uh, you know, basically a solopreneur role. I had my own company. I was making more money. Yeah. I found opportunities to start paying off and getting out of that situation. Yeah. And really, you know, just working from there. Um, and that, and that's, that's how I kind of got into this stuff, like full, full time, really, man. I mean, the part-time side of it was at 19, helping that guy out for the summer. Yeah. Then he saw the value in my work ethic and my knowledge base and how quick I picked up on stuff. So I became this entrepreneur. You know, then I started my own company, a one-man band, solopreneur. Now it's been, I just celebrated 10 years of being in business for myself, and I've got a great team underneath me. And I'm finally starting to come into that CEO role, you know what I mean? But it's taken all this time. Um, the person, the personal side of all this has been crazy, you know? Uh, yeah. You go through that divorce, you go through shared parenting and all these different things that happen, and you can imagine the the butting of heads between families and stuff like that. Meanwhile, I was still trying to get a business off the ground all at the same time. It was nuts, but I never looked at it as a detriment or like, I can't believe this is, this is happening. I was like, Hey man, we got to go. We got to build something better here. There's a reason why all this stuff is happening. I didn't care about instant gratification. You know, that's um, one thing that you mentioned that I think is integral, especially if you're an entrepreneur, if you're someone that's chasing dreams and uh, to to the rest of society seems like you're on a wild goose chase, basically, because let's face yeah. it, that's what most of society thinks of us is just that when you know that you are truly meant for something bigger is when you know, like you said, 
you in these situations that you found yourself in earlier in life, but you knew that this wasn't the end of it. There was inside of you that told you, no, I'm there's there's something better out there. This is happening because it was meant to happen. Now I got to rise up to the occasion and seize this moment, seize this opportunity. And because I have more to offer, I'm capable of more. But you know what's really frustrating about that is just that you know this the rest of society doesn't believe in you things you're incapable you know and, and it gives that impression off to you be to the point to where most of us are brainwashed into thinking that we're incapable yeah in fact humans are some of the most sophisticated creatures that we know in the universe that's right, right. That's it's right. just we tend to i feel like as humans tend to self or to sabotage others and i don't know i mean some do it most i think do it unintentionally there's people who do it also intentionally. So when you were talking about like, I mean, and I've been in similar situations, man. You said like you overextending yourself in the house, wife leaving, which honestly I can relate to that because I bottom line, most of the divorces that happen in the United States are because of money, because money creates discomfort and disrupts a lifestyle. Right. Is why it basically happens. I know my first marriage. Look, I didn't have kids. That was basically more or less the gist of it. It's like couldn't support the lifestyle anymore because you took a giant risk. And it's like, nah, I was so used to living my my lifestyle. Can't live it anymore. I don't want to risk. I don't want to sacrifice. But you know what is, you know, this is an entrepreneur. We talked about it in the beginning is that growth happens from discomfort. Right. Because if there's no discomfort, then there's no evolution. There's no progress. There's no change. There's not, man. I say similarly, you know, there's, there's no story without the struggle in, in a lot of ways for us as entrepreneurs. Yeah. And the struggle is relative. Everyone's yeah. struggle is different. It doesn't have to be a divorce. It doesn't have to be necessarily like a horrible hardship. But yeah. I think that's one thing when you look at a lot of different entrepreneurs out there, um, there's no story without the struggle. There's no growth without the discomfort. That's some, one thing we can all get behind. Yeah. Yeah. So you took the struggles, you took the, you made more sacrifices, obviously, after March 1 to just really double down and say, you know, I'm going to do this, right? I'm curious to know, was there, did you ever have a, like a why or a purpose after, especially the mark, well, especially after the separation with, or the divorce and, and finding yourself in your parents' basement with, yeah. I think you said a 13 year old, 10 year old and a one year old, right? So like, what, what was the, was there, or can you think one or more things that really just invigorated you like a why or purpose that said, you know what, you get up every day. And it's like, I'm getting up for this. And what was that? It, it was a chip on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was one of those things where it's like, you know what? Y'all don't really believe that I'm capable of doing this stuff. So I'm just going to, I'm going to show you. And I, and I knew it wasn't going to happen overnight. Yeah. So I, w- I would love to come on here and tell you that, oh, I discovered the why and the purpose and it was from my kids. I don't have that story 10 years ago or, you know, yeah. 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, I've come into that in the last few years, 100%, yeah. man. You know, I've got a new wife now. I've been married for uh, almost seven years. I've been together for 10. You know, that was, that was one of the things is I found her when I wasn't looking. You know what I'm saying? And wow, like what a huge compliment to my life she's been. She's changed me for the better. I'll, the other thing I want to say to you is I wasn't a great dude, bro. I wasn't a great guy. Yeah. You know, you go ask my 24-year-old what kind of a dad I was versus my 11-year-old. I mean, it's just reality yeah. right now. Um, 
now I've got good relationships, you know, when my sure. oldest son, you know, he's killing it at payment management group. He's worked here for seven years, man. He came in as an intern, works hard. He's my project manager. We've got great relationships, but I know there's still damage out there that I've done and I can't yeah. fix it overnight. And so my point is like, did my wife leave at the time? Yes, she did. Um, was she warranted to probably, but so was I like, it's a two way street. Like none of yeah. us are great people yeah. together, dude, but I recognize my faults. And it took that incident to really start checking myself and to look in the mirror and say, man, let's do an audit. It's audit time. You're in a basement at 32 years old with no money and you got three kids. So what's going on here? So more of a reality check, I'd say, bro, I like more of a reality check versus purpose driven and why. But I will tell you, I can point to that chip on my shoulder. When you go through a divorce, you've done it. Yeah. Now, remember for me, I stayed local. So I got married to the girl I dated in high school. We had a kid together, right? So her family, my family, all intertwined at this point. Matter of fact, when I first started my company, uh, my father-in-law was my business partner. That's a whole nother conversation podcast. Story. <laughs> I will not get into that. That's a, that's a good one right there. Wow. Talking about business partners and relationships, bro, I've got that on lock. But the point was, it was tough because yeah. when you go through that situation, you find out real quick who your friends are. Or yeah. who you talk to. like your circle it doesn't need to be an infinite circle man it can be it can be very small but it's a yeah. it matters is who's in that circle but i had to learn that i had to learn that man there's a reason why i'm not talking to this person anymore i'm not going to that dinner party anymore i'm not going out bowling with them anymore i'm not going to that party anymore i, I didn't have any of that i was literally alone yeah. like i felt alone yeah. And the only way I knew to cope with that was I was on the road, which was actually positive for me because I wasn't in the same small town. I was out on the road working, working on my business. And the reality was that chatter kind of gets back to you. And I was like, F this, man, I'm just going to go do it. I'll show, I'll show everybody. Now, I didn't know it was going to take me 10 years. Okay. But let's just be honest. Yeah. I also got to a point where when I met my, my current wife, man, I started getting more relaxed again because I started settling down a little bit better. I found the right woman, man, bringing the uh, families together. I started getting comfortable. Right, right. I've had this peak and valley of like, I got to go because I got the chip on my shoulder. I got, I don't know any else, uh, any way else to do it, by the way. I don't know how to give up. I don't know how to take an L. I mean, I, I just got to keep going. So that's why I say it, it's only been up recent to the last four or five years, man, where I started getting real clear on purpose. Why? It started out with a why, you know, then you, tr you transcend it into purpose. I think that's a good maturation yeah. process. Yeah. yeah. Um, and really putting myself out in a lot of ways that I wasn't doing it before. Uh, remember, I've been doing this pavement management stuff for 23 years, give or take, right? So about six, seven years ago, dude, I got bored. I got bored. I yeah. lost any types of passion for doing this stuff, man. And it wasn't really up until I hired my one-on-one -on -one business coach just last year where I really start to find that passion for what I'm doing again yeah. in the business and how I can transcend my, my future goals and initiatives, like my golden initiative that we talked about, Yeah. Um, bring it all together, man. So it's been, it's been a process for sure. But that's where it's at right now. It's a 10-year overnight success story in a lot of yeah. ways. So it'll you end know, up being a 15-year and when it's all said and done. I got some pretty lofty goals now. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you know, it's uh, I, I love every bit of that. 
of that story that you shared. And, and I, and your story continues to be written because I know, like you said, you're becoming more clear on the things that you want, right. And the things you want to accomplish goals and dreams. And, but you said something that's, I think really key, as you said, um, your purpose was a transcendence from a why. So why, why you did this, right. Is because it was that chip in the shoulder, as you said, and then you also found out that, Hey, I'm really good at this. You know, I really enjoy doing this, what I'm doing, you know, helping municipalities and helping with, because let's face it, there's, we have a shortage of companies and people helping with road work in the United States, huge shortage, and it's not getting any better. In fact, in some smaller, more rural areas, I know, you know, I live in the Midwest, so uh, some areas are not even attended to for that matter. So like, this is huge because what do we all do in the United States? We drive down pavement every day and some of us multiple times, right? So, but that's really key. What you said I wanted to highlight is because he got me thinking, I think I always knew my why, like when I look back, you know, being a father, that was a six year journey for me, believe it or not, but wanting to be an entrepreneur and doing what I do with my business. Oh my God, that's been, I don't know, 25 years probably since I knew a why, but the purpose evolved and the purpose became stronger. So that's a key message, I think. And that's a really good point is this that I think your purpose strengthens and evolves as you make progress and strides uh, that really coincide with your why. Of why yeah. you're doing it? And here's the purpose of, of why I'm doing it. So they work in congruence almost because I, I had to really think about that one too, because you're so spot on, man. And I had to do that myself. You know, basically yeah. the why was to set myself up for everything that I ever wanted in life. Okay. Yeah. So why, why am I doing this? Obviously the big word for me is legacy. It, it, it's legacy. That encompasses everything. For me. Like I would love to go as far to say that I would love to have whether it's a brick in the wall or the damn building named after me, you know, at a specific, my, my local technical college where I started yeah, all, I'm yeah. on a board there. I, I help out there. I have a passion for that because I think the skilled trades and two-year degrees are crowned upon in the United States of America, but these are real great tickets, you know, to, to the, I'm not, I'm that person, dude. I took a skilled trade basically and yeah. worked through that to become an entrepreneur with, because yeah. now we're doing artificial intelligence and data collection. You know, one of my business holdings is with an artificial intelligence a development company. Yeah. I wouldn't have been in all this if I wouldn't have had that skill set. You know what I'm saying? But you know, that's kind of that why is legacy, you know? And then the purpose behind that really I found for me, it was like, man, I love creating value-based connections. You know, I love that. I love talking with people. You know, I love helping as much as I can. I have a real passion for that. And what is the biggest connector in America? It's the Roadway Network. I mean, let's just be honest. When I had that epiphany, I'm like, oh man, I can create connections. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And then I started being, you know, reinvigorated with those passions and how I'm really helping our local municipalities do better with what they've got. Get that story yeah. out there. And, um, you know, that's, like I said, it was, it's only been the last couple of years though, last few years where all that's kind of come together. You know, I mean, we don't yeah. always really know what you know. And, you know, one thing that you said about skill trade that I wanted to touch upon, because and, and by the way, I think your business is about to skyrocket too. I think it will. And here's why is, so my father is, I actually has a business in the skilled trade space. Um, you know, he was in the union for, man, I guess 15 years or so. 
uh, maybe even longer, and then ventured out to start his own business that does flooring work, basically. So it's a skilled trade, manual labor is, the, I think, the keyword that people use. Here's yes. the thing. Now more than ever in this digital era, and you know, you've immersed, you've had to immerse into it in the social world. It's, it's primarily, I think society is so immersed into being a keyboard warrior mm-hmm. and they're forgetting that you still got to do stuff with your hands and your brain right. and skilled trades are still to this day, some of the most respected, but there's a shortage of people who are willing to actually invest and learn about it. And I know this because being involved with my father's business and then your business, like you mentioned, like, like it's not hard to do pavement work, man. Like who wants to fucking do that shit? Like nobody, like they'd rather just sit, you know, at, at a desk, you know, at a computer and crunching away on the keyboard. Cause it's easier. Cause you don't have to do manual work. The problem with that is this is that, and that's how people get fatter and unhealthier you know, and develop stress and anxiety and and body ache problems and shit. So the skill trade, hence why it's called skill trade, is about to have a huge and even bigger demand because there's a shortage, which means, and I think maybe you face this, is that the issue is how do I find people? How do I find more manpower that is not so immersed into this digital and social world which is so intricate to our lives because we live on phones, we live on laptops, you know, it's just part of our uh, way we communicate. Right. But too many people get so immersed into it to where they forget about. So I I think I personally have a huge respect for what you're doing, man, because you are filling in a void and creating solutions to really big problems. Because if it wasn't for companies like you, we'd have fucking potholes everywhere. That's right. We still do because I know in the state of Missouri, MoDOT is terrible. IDOT, state of Illinois, they're fucking terrible. They're even worse, you know, when it comes to it. So, like, who's going to do it? And you know what? People will turn around and say, well, you know, we're not taking care of this. No, it's because we're not investing in it. We're not getting people interested in it. So I think you have a huge opportunity yeah. from an educational standpoint to really create more enticement and people understand that like there's a demand for this and we need to fill this demand and you've got a tremendous opportunity to do that. But you know, this right, James is people still have to take initiative. You have to take the initiative, man. And and that's the thing. So I love everything you just said about the skill traits and you're hundred percent right. Um, Our parents taught us because I think every parent just wants their kid to do a little bit better somehow. Whatever that means is, again, relative. Yeah. A lot of us want, were told to go to college. You know, that was the only route. And your parents were telling you to go to college was the only route. Whether they believe it or not was irrelevant. So what happens? You have this millennial generation that went to college. They're coming out with 60, 70, 80, $100,000 of, co- of credit card, excuse me, student loan debt. Yep. Not working within the field they went to school for. Right? This is a serious problem. It, it's a huge problem. I got two sons. One went to school for a year and said, I can't do this. I said, I told you probably shouldn't. Have. And now he works yeah. at EMG, developing skill sets. Yeah. Two years in Ohio State for marketing and business. He's about to go into the uh, Fisher School of Business. We'll see how that pans out for him. Right. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you have a skilled trade. Look at the Dallas situation with all of the, uh, the water <laughs> issues that came from a result. Who, who's laughing their ass to the bank right now? 
It's the yeah. plumber. You know, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I'm just being realistic here. I've got a friend of mine in Arate, by the way, who yeah. got his license in Texas because, number one, they needed more help. Yeah, They needed more help. There's a huge shortage, like you just mentioned, because all yeah. it takes is one national disaster like this. We need more help. So yeah. he got himself licensed as quick as possible. He's a, he's a leader. Yeah. You know, he's not just a plumber anymore, right? He leads the entire company, a large organization. Yeah. So you can employ the people, put the pieces in place to get uh, those homeowners their water back, hooked back up and get, get that problem solved. But yeah. that's what it's all about is solving problems, you know? And for me, finding the people, it's a huge point. I'm fortunate to this situation where I'm on the data collection side of the house. I'm not actually paving roads. So for me to yeah. grow and scale my company, it was the artificial assessment, uh, artificial intelligence component. It's let's take this skilled trade that myself and five of my team members that I've had to teach yeah. on how do we leverage algorithms and analysis, machine learning to do that work for us to grow and scale this business. So I'm kind of fortunate on that end. That's how I'm solving that problem. But to your point, uh, we'll think about the paver operator. So there's someone out there right now in America on the back of a paver Run it, run an asphalt pavement two, three inches thick down a mile right. road highway, right? Right. That is one of the most skilled individual individuals you will ever meet. Because if you ever look at a paver and how to operate that damn thing, holy shit, dude, it's crazy. Well, uh, it takes a lot of precision, right? It takes a lot of precision, knowledge base, skill, experience, mm -hmm. all that. But what this person can do is we talked about this earlier before we jumped on camera, man. Yeah. Teach. That's what we're good at. That's what good leaders do, they teach. So you yeah. can leverage that skill set that unique skill set that you've developed. And if you have a desire to really hit that next level, you teach, you show others how to do it. And then you're not stuck on the paver until you're 75 years old. You're not stuck doing pavement inspections until you're 75 years old. You know what I'm saying? Okay. You're not stuck in your father's case. He doesn't have to go lay the flooring at some okay. point. You just okay. keep the others to do it, manage the process and become the entrepreneur. So I don't know, man, I'm, I'm tracking with you there, but. Skilled trades, I'm a proponent for that because I believe what I learned was a skilled trade, not something you go to school for. Can, analyzing 20 different distresses in asphalt pavements, 19 distresses in concrete pavements, providing roadway conditions and analysis, building pavement models, yeah, right? Okay. Hey, I got a million dollars. How should I best use this money? I mean, you're not going to go find an education program out there for that, but I'll start one. I'll be that guy because yeah. I've worked my business for 10 years. I've built yeah. the team. I've got the scale model. Hopefully this thing's about to take off. Just like you said, because we feel it. We believe it. The market said it's there. We've done all that work. Yeah. And now James can be more of that pavement preservation activist. You go, if you go read my LinkedIn title, man, I set it all up for that. That's, that's what's next for James. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, as well as helping other entrepreneurs and business owners, probably in that skilled trade space to say, hey, how do we yeah. maximize what you've got? without you having to go do the work. We all have ceilings, you know, as a, as a skilled trained individual. There's only so many, so much yeah. square foot of flooring your father could lay. There's only so many um, miles of pavement inspections as I could perform in a day, Yeah. right? Your first step is to grow. Great, I'll go hire three more Jameses to inspect mm -hmm. the pavement. But when you talk about scale, that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, you know, you know um, couple of things you mentioned I wanted to touch upon. Um, uh, the first the first one, uh, they were talking about the skill trades is just that, so I was actually in the skill trade when I was younger from like, I guess it was 1920 till about 23, 24 roughly. So I actually went to school for floor laying 
And I used to help my father when he started his business to actually do a lot of jobs with him. So I know what it takes to, you know, be on the saw cutter and cutting tile precisely and being able to put, you know, mud on the floor and doing it with a trowel and being able to set measurements. Like I know that. And so, but it's at some point, and I think this is what people don't understand is this, that you cannot have true fucking appreciation for something that you've earned and accomplished unless you deal with your two bare hands. That's right. You cannot. And the skill trade is the biggest proponent for that. Because guess what? You put in more time, more dedication, more commitment, more precision, more attention to detail. And you know what? That's been fucking scrutinized, man. It yeah. has been. Now, because uh, I mean, I'm looking now at my father because, you know, especially over the last five years is like people will come and go. And that's a problem, you know, it's in the skill trades because it's hard to find uh, loyal labor. Basically, people who don't just look at it as a job. Yeah. But they look at it as a growth opportunity. People that want to learn something that's a very niche, very in demand. And that's what I'm saying. Then I think what you're on is just it's just, it's a time bomb. But in a good way, it's just a time bomb. Well, I like what you're saying there, too. And one thing that I did. Probably I said earlier on, because I had to build a team, I had to build a team to say, hey, man, I'm going to teach you how to do this. So I don't have to number one, yeah. I'll do it again. So yeah. I don't have. So I don't have to go to spend two weeks in Houston, you know, right. work, you know, this is before, this is 10 years ago, basically, you know, before we had right. technology in place to help us out. Um, but what I try to do is get that, that, that establish those core values, you know, like to show these folks that were coming in and I, I had my fair share of turnover. You can weed them out real quick, but said, Hey, yeah. you, you have purpose here. You're not just someone looking at cracks and roads and jotting them down. I, I let them know very quickly, like this is the payoff. This city is going to look at the information you provide and say, wow, I didn't know that. Or check out these trends and insights. Or now I can save an extra $8 a square yard by doing X, Y, and Z. You know, right. so I wanted them to see that there was real buy, you know, or establish that buy and show them that the value of what they were doing was tenfold. It's not just right. a number. At the end of the day, these people are looking at roadway cracks and, and uh, deficiencies, documenting them into a system. Then they go on to the next one. But if they have an understanding of what that is really doing, you know, how does James work with that data? How does the city engineer interpret that data? How does the public works director execute on that data? How does city council perceive that data? All of a sudden, they're like, man, I'm not just a pavement inspector, am I? No, sir, you're not. You're actually the most vital component to our business. Well, you know something? So, something you just said, everything you just said in the last probably minute or so, where you were explaining the intricacies of this educational program is your golden goose. It is. Literally. Yeah. Now, just putting that into practicality is the ultimate test, basically. And that's the ultimate opportunity, ultimately being given that opportunity. But is your I mean, I love the fact that you're supporting the skill trade. You are in a skill trade obviously, because there, I think now more than ever, and, and, and I think it's about to increase because there's more and more people who are trying to find shortcuts to, you know, uh, building a life, making more money. And uh, you've heard Andy and Ed, you know, and Ryan talk about this, right? That, you know, nothing that's worthwhile uh, is going to be, is going to take, you know, five minutes or it's going to be an overnight success. It's going to take a long ass fucking time. And like, even you said, say yourself, it's taken me 20 plus years to really bring like to where you're in a place, like you even said, hiring a coach to really help you like 
extrapolate everything that's in your head and kind of compartmentalize it and then really have some clarity and direction of like how to go about these things. Right. right. And in a timely fashion also. But point being is 20 plus years. I know. And man. It gives me goosebumps, man. Probably I'm freaking bald and, you know, the head's off. I, I wear a hat, man, so you're not staring at the shiny head. But, um, you know, you're spot on. It's, it's all that time, dedication, and effort to it. Um, when you talk about shortcuts, dude, there's no shortcuts. Now, depending on what, depending on how much capital you've got day one, how much knowledge base you have, and how hard you're willing to work, you can reduce the amount of time that maybe someone else that doesn't have that has. Right. Yeah. There's a shortcut. The only shortcut that I see in real business are high performers and action takers that maybe hire a coach who's done it, who's been there and done it because yeah. they can shortcut pitfalls. They're not going to shortcut your business or your route to success, but they can help you avoid time, you know, timely and costly things within your business. So that's my takeaway from my coaching and the groups that I'm involved with. I'm like, man, now, now I really am on the fast track to becoming the real CEO of my business yeah. and go out and do the other things that I want. And that's like, like the Golden Collective, my Facebook group, man. It's just kind of working through on a free, a free, uh, yeah. free model. Say, hey, man, how can I kind of help mentor some things here? It's more like mentorship. And then yeah. through the coaching effort, you know, it's like that's what I ultimately would love to start doing. But I've got work to do at PNZ. I'm not going all in on a coach. I'm not trying to be some guru. But at the end of the day, I kind of am. You know what I mean? I mean, I kind of am. So I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just saying, like, I absolutely can help individuals, but I've got to see this through so that my company, my, my legacy, that why is fulfilled. So then purpose can come into play here. And you know, down the road. But I'm taking action against those things. Yeah. Like, how about initiative? Yeah. So I know that you're right. We are about to blow up. I mean, we already kind of blew up in a lot of ways, to be honest with you, yeah. but it's really going to explode. So what James is over here saying is I'm 40, 43 this year. Where am I at at 48, 50? You know, I probably have someone running this business for me. You know what I mean? I've got someone, I've got an operator in here taking care of things for me because I will teach them all this stuff on my side. And it's like, where do I see myself next? Well, you know what? I talked about connection, creating those value-based connections and helping others to succeed. Like I say, hit their next level of success. And, but I have to take action now against that because like you just pointed to 22 years to get to here. Yeah. If you can't just show up on the phone one day or in a DM on Instagram, like, Hey, what's up, man? You need to coach. I'm a coach. Okay. We'll prove it. You know what I'm saying? So if I want to put that out into the universe, I got to start taking action on it yeah. right now and build that up over time. Right. So that's all I'm saying. You know, um, there were a couple of things that's absolutely true. That is absolutely true. But I want to actually allude to something that you mentioned is that like you were saying, I don't want to become some guru, but in a way I kind of am. And here's what, cause I've done this and I keep striving for this is this that uh, I have a, I'm a huge proponent for education because I believe that I think I mentioned this to you in a discussion before we got on camera is this that I think some of the best leaders in the world are teachers. Yes. And I wholeheartedly believe in that now more than ever. So I try to lead with that route. I try to teach people. So, you know, I've been in the digital and the marketing space for 25 years, but I've always done that approach. And now more than ever, I'm tripling down on it as much as I can. But as you were, as you were talking about it, is that how do you become an innovator and a disruptor in a thought leader? Mm-hmm. Simple. You educate. You educate. 
you educate people and you give them. In fact, even in sales, you know, this is sales is really education. Is you giving people perspective on, well, different perspective on how to solve a solution through education. And I even with some of the clients that we work with as well, that's, that's what I do. I said, well, have you thought about this? You know, here's how I would do it. It really gets them thinking. And that's how they get to thinking, you know, this from prospecting, right? Is that, how do I, you know, it positions you as a thought leader. It positions you as a subject matter expert because you just shared some value to them that's going to help them solve a problem. And people are looking for a solution to a problem or just value that they can absorb. And that's what you're doing with your education program. So James and PMG is a disruptor, is an innovator, is a leader, is a thought leader, is a subject matter expert, whatever other title, because you're doing it, but you're doing it because you want to create impact, because you want to change the way things have been done traditionally, because as we just talked about over the last 40 minutes is that so much in your industry has been done traditionally because it has been settled for. And I think municipalities have just said, you know what, as long as the tax dollars are being funneled, we'll just keep doing shit the same way. Maybe fine tune here and there. Keyword, maybe, right? Because you know, at the municipality level, how much improvement, technological improvement there is, because you talked about AI, and how often does it happen? Almost never. I feel like municipalities are 10, 20 years behind the times. Well, they are. I mean, the, the pandemic forced them to go to Zoom-based calls and conference calls. Because yeah. so, before this, bro, like if I really wanted to fight for an opportunity or for a project or add that value, I just show up on site. Like these had to be meetings. You know, <laughs> so I looked at my, my travel budget in 2020 versus 2019. Yeah. 2019, there's some videos of me on LinkedIn for sure. That's where I do a lot of my content. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where my decision makers live and where my audience lives for value. Yeah. So there's, hey, I called it the, 20, the 2019 PMG tour. You know, James is out here on tour and all these different areas. And what I would do is I would go meet with uh, the client. Yeah. Or I would go close out a project or whatever I do. And I would just drive around. I like to drive around communities and see what's going on, the local roadways for sure and neighborhoods. I would go find an opportunity to talk about something happening on a road. You know, so, hey, I'm out here in Branson, Missouri today. Uh, I saw this situation right here. You could best benefit from a cake seal, you know, whatever. And I talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Because um, that's that perceived value. And, and people like that. I'm not out here talking about my business. I'm not trying to, hey, call me, you know, call me. And, you know, we're going to get this thing taken. I mean, it's just all about putting that value out there. But it was very specific because now I'm in that direct location. You know what I mean? And then in 2020, you got the pandemic where we're not doing any of that. But I found other ways to, to add the value. And what was really great is finally, finally, web-based meetings, conference meetings started to become a little bit more of a norm because municipalities had to pivot. They didn't have a choice. Like pivot means a lot of different things. Um, they had to pivot to run their meetings efficiently. Just, I still have agencies I work with. They work from home still. And now it's common. I can send them a schedule. They didn't know what the schedule link was. Hey, here's my link. I don't know what this is. Okay, great. Well, let me walk you through it. Yeah. You know, but you're right, man. They are traditionally at least about a decade behind. And this is true by just going into their offices every day, like I was doing. And they'll yeah. tell you they have better technology at home. They have better internet speed at home than they do at the office. Um, so it just, it just is what it is, but we're starting to see that 
pivot the pivot a little bit there. They're, they're recognizing some additional needs. Now I don't have to spend $1,500 in a bu travel budget to go pitch a city. I can do it right here on camera. Well, that's just said, yeah. That's just said, as you mentioned, is that because you've embraced AI is a stand. And I think this is why, I mean, 2020 was a challenging year. I mean, for me, it was a growth year, the biggest year in my business. And so technically my fourth year in business. And you know, that was exactly it is because I think too many companies and too many people like you just described, you got better technology at home than you do in the office. Well, that's a problem. If you've got better technology at home and uh, outdated technology in the office, it is inefficient. It's yeah. counterintuitive. You got to upgrade or die. And that's literally what happened to a lot of companies. So the, the 2020 and the COVID era really, I think, tested a lot of companies, not just municipalities, companies of all industries, all industry. of all verticals of can you pivot? Do you need to pivot? And if you don't pivot, could this be the determining point for your business, your own demise? So a lot of companies, I think, actually self-sabotage themselves and they created their own demise because they, they were unwilling to step out. I can take this camera right now. I'm in a courtyard. Yeah. I'm, I'm in a... I call this a temporary office location yeah. because I took this almost three years ago on budget and yeah. the space to bring my team together because we were working remote for the most part. And I was like, oh, you know, let's build an office culture. Let's let blah, blah, blah. I mean, <laughs> come on. That line of thinking was valid. It was legit. Right. So I didn't need anything fancy. I just needed a place. And this was it. My point is I can take this camera and show you three for lease signs right now. Yeah. What you just said. These were more along the lines of brick and mortar, come on into my office or come on into my storefront or whatever. And let me, I got something for you. They're gone. They're gone. Yep. This happened within uh, this was like, I would say by fall of last year, give 90 days because most businesses aren't putting up the reserves. They don't know how to run a business, cash flow, all these other yep. things, spinoffs that we can talk about, which is always fun, right? Oh, yeah. It's like <laughs> they're out of business and you hit the nail on the head. You either innovate or you die. And in a lot of cases, it was just pivot. Yep. Pivot is an is innovation. And yep. I've got great stories from those that you would think, man, they were going to be in really big struggles. They still had their best year or they were able to weather the storm because they were doing virtual appointments, you know, or yeah. anything like that. Anything they could do to scrape and scrounge, especially that restaurant industry, the online ordering, uh, not just relying on Uber Eats or Grubhub, you know what I mean? To, to, to find other ways. Those were the ones that I value because when you can't come into my restaurant and order for me, you're taking away my revenues. And when the government eventually says, I'll tell you what, we'll let you back in there, but you can only do 40% capacity or whatever the numbers are. Yeah, They're already running on thin margins. We already know this. That's how the business model is set up for that industry. Yeah. They're not 60% mortgage margins like a marketing industry yeah. or 30, 40% margins like an engineering firm. You know, they're on grocery stores, man. They had to stay open. Them damn things run on 2% more profit margins. So the bottom line yeah. is, I love the innovation and pivoting and watching it. But at the same time, we saw those that either A, didn't have the capacity, they didn't understand that that's true. Yeah. And those are the ones I really feel bad for because there were business owners that they were great businesses in terms of yeah. like adding value to their communities, yeah. just didn't understand how to catch up to technology, to leverage it right. Then there was others that would just turn the blind eye to it, right? Just, yeah. eh, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to worry about it. Then it's 30 days and it's 60 days and it's 90 days. Not, then they're out of business, you know? Yeah. So.
You know, it's really interesting. So a couple of things you mentioned there that are so key to business is that, I mean, a lot of business, all business is at the mercy of technology. Yeah. It really is because technology is used for communication. Hence, we're on Zoom doing a podcast right now, right? So, but what's really interesting about that, and, and I'm going to be pushing out something probably tomorrow that's really going to allude to this, but I've been a technology proponent since I was 14 years old, you know, 26 years, and I, I've really embraced that. And what you were talking about is like pivoting and understanding that you got to be innovative, you've got to be disruptive, you've got to embrace technology in any form or fashion that's applicable to your business, literally. And that's what you've done with PMG with your businesses, like AI and just, I mean, you've got an office and, you know, just make digitizing it basically, because what's the alternative? There isn't. There isn't one. There isn't one. And so. It's like in our space, I saw an opportunity. This was 2016. I started really thinking about if I'm, if I don't make a decision right now, I will die because technology will surpass. So I had two options. I could have jumped all in on, there are specific types of equipment out there, camera-based, laser-based that you can go invest into. You're staring at a quarter million to a half million dollar investment, and now you're tethered to a vehicle. That vehicle becomes the data collect, collection capture point, right? Yep. So, so I'm in Ohio. I pick up a job in, in your neck of the woods and say, St. Louis, I gotta drive that fucker all the way out there. Or I got to trailer it. I got to get it there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I said, you know what? We ain't doing that. We're not doing that, man. So I, I strapped up a, a GoPro camera that was laying around the office to my, I had a Honda Accord, dude, at the time. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Come a long way in four, four or five years. But yeah. uh, I started, ca- I mounted a specific way. I hit record, driving down the road, brought the video back on my monitor, looked at it and said, holy shit, man, I can see everything. It's HD, high definition. Yep. Like, I don't have to just use high definition for watching Netflix now. I can look at pavement roads. <laughs> no one cares about that, listen to this, except me. Like, I'm yeah. the only one who wants to stare at high roadways in high definition. So I looked at it and said, man, like, there's a standard I have to adhere to or to follow to identify different distresses. Because yeah. beyond, to be honest with you, man, that, that, you know, there's a lot of different types of cracks that occur out there. They're not all yeah. the same. They all mean different things, man. Yep. So our job is to identify and recognize it and quantify it, right? So I'm like, shit, man, I can see it all. Holy cow. Let me create a process. So I did that. And I talked to a couple of my, my staple clients that would take a risk with me and say, hey, yeah. instead of doing it this way, I think I can do it this way. Will you take a look at this with me? And they're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I can. yeah we can see that. That makes sense. You can perform the analysis on, on, on screen instead of out there. I said, yeah, we can. Just, just let me do it. We'll do it both ways. So I, time, effort, initiative, all that stuff, man. We did this project, boots on the ground. Right. Looking at videos. And the score was within 2% margin of error. And that was like the boom. That was the green light right there, man. We're going all yeah. Let's get everybody outside of this shit. Because now guess what? The person that was out in the field had to have the skill set to document. Yeah. Now that person just has to drive a car and hit record on a GoPro. <laughs> you don't have, the expertise was now in the yeah. office. Yeah. That was step two. And then two years ago, I said, F all this noise. I need AI. So that was the next iteration was, how do I get a machine to think like James? 
to pick up on everything all by itself. Yep. And we're at like a hundred and some thousand images currently machine learned. We're getting there. We're almost done. It's really cool. You know, speaking so, of AI, one thing I wanted to mention to you since you were talking about the GoPro is, because again, we're talking about innovation, is imagine that GoPro or a supplement of it to be able to create an interactive component to where you could say, okay, prospect, right? Here's our machine out there. Let's tap into the live stream and I can maneuver this around so you can see how we're actually assessing this in real time. Real time. And they're going to look at that and like, holy shit, James, nobody yeah. can do that. And why this is so important is yeah. because how was it done traditionally? Right. On the ground. Yeah. Walking around out there. You exactly. Had to for months to see what the scores were. Dude. And that's exactly like. Yep. In business, you got to be playing chess, man. You're playing checkers, you're done. You can have some wins. You, can, you and I can go through some checkers right now. It'll be 50 50, <laughs> right? We play chess. That's going to be a yeah. long ass game. And your sole mission is to pick up, figure out your next several moves, just like mine is. That's business. Because well, this is, um... And because what I'm trying to do is stay one step ahead of my competitors. So my competitors are the engineering firms that have kind of grown. They've got a decade on me in terms of size, reputation, and that, because they do other things. But they're the ones with all that investment cost. They got they got the antiquated uh, camera systems, laser systems out there that I don't even yeah. think are really necessary. They serve a point to some degree, but I'm over here like, wait a second, you capture? I say, yeah, the GoPro captures it. That's all it needs to do. Yeah. The AI analyzes it. That's where all the money was being spent in development. Yeah. You know, whether you use a smartphone or a, I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Does, does it yeah. pick up a, a quality image that we can process? Yes. And then when I show that these clients are, they're like, they're just amazed. And then I give you them a the price on it and they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, yeah maybe you can afford this right now. Yeah. You don't have to go ask for your council money. You already Absolutely. have services. I created a business model on professional services. Yeah. You know, all of our cities have a dollar amount they can spend up to. There's a threshold where- you said something that I want to touch upon because this yeah. is really key right now, especially coming out of this, you know, crazy ass year 2020 is that you said these big companies had uh, brand equity and, you know, fairly sizable investment budgets and such, right? To where they could dump crazy ass fucking money for equipment if they wanted to. But here's the thing. What's proving now more than ever with small business is that tactical and practical approach will always win. And this, I, this literally I'm a huge fan of is because as the small guy that likes to play chess, not checkers, good point there. I yep. likes to play chess is I'm like, watch me do this differently and watch me create impact because right. that's exactly what I did in 2020 when I doubled down on personal branding and social video, where everybody was like, this motherfucker is spending crazy ass time on shooting videos of him talking on a mic or walking and talking. What did I do? It created conversations. Yeah. What did that do? It created more contracts. What did I do? More money in the bank. That's right. And so I absolutely love, love, love about the fact that you've embraced the necessity of technology and evolution and disruption. And you continue to thrive on that with your business model and understand that, you know what, what I'm doing now, probably tomorrow is going to be outdated. So what's the next thing I need to do? Yeah, exactly. Like, especially in the skill trade, man, let's face it. In the skill trade, because the skill trade is, 
shit. Well, the skill trace still is like, okay, there's this new thing. We're going to do it for a little while until it's still hot, right? But then it's like, okay, we're like 10 years behind now because there's something new or five other things or 10 other things. This is why I think that the approach that you have with technology at the epicenter of your business with the GoPro thing that you, that you described is so innovating, so innovating. And it's only a matter of time that major municipalities get a sniff of this and be like, shit, we can do something like this. Might cost a little bit more, but not by much, or maybe the same price or cheaper price or cheaper, that more effective. Yep. But it's more effective. But I think that job done faster, man. It's all about that. So I, I look at, if we're going to leverage technology and we're going to scale the company, right? Yeah. And we're going to create more impact. That's the biggest word for me. How many miles of roadways can I impact? In, ro- roadway miles are my currency here. You know, there's a direct correlation to how many road, roadway miles I've scanned and what my, what's in the bank. 100%, man. And every business needs to find that. You know, what is your currency? So, so just Google this, actually. There is, uh, as of 2017, there's 4.18 million miles of road in the United States. 4 million miles, man. 4 million, which means that even when you do retire from your business, there'll still be more road to cover. Actually, even more because we're constantly building. That's right. And here's another fact just because I know it. Yeah. That 4 million miles of road. Yeah. 1.8 million of it is considered to be in poor condition. 42%. So nearly half is in poor condition. It, it's pretty bad. Yeah. You know, so it's like, dude, we're tracking the same way. So all I, all I know to do is just uh, how to leverage my expertise, create a, create a great product. It's going to get the job done because my goal in the next, like I told you with like five years is that yeah. those brand, those, those companies with that brand equity that you had mentioned that I've already kind of put on you yeah. know, last year, they can still go provide the service for their, for their yeah. client, but guess whose uh, AI algorithm they'll have to use to process the tech, you know, they'll capture it any way they want. It'll run through my algorithm to produce the result. Right. I don't care where, I don't care if you drive it, I drive it, PNG drives it, my mom drives it, I don't care. Just capture the damn thing and load it and let's go. Because the big play, man, and this is what I, you talk about what's next, the big play is uh, we go through the Google model. You wanna know what that is? Hey, I'm going to give you an interactive map of all your road conditions with data for free. (laughs) That's amazing. You'll watch it happen. You know, um, well, here's another fun fact, too. I actually had to just verify to be sure. But uh, the average bridge in the United States is 43 years old with a lifespan of 50. 50. Okay, so that means you've got about a seven-year window before this fucking thing collapses. And it, or sooner, and we'll see more of that happen. Unfortunately, you know. Yeah. And so, a couple of things I want to throw out to add value to anyone that's interested yeah. in this cop that listens to the podcast, man, is um, the American Society of Civil Engineers. Every four years, they produce a report, and that report yeah. is a grade card of all of America's infrastructure: bridges, roads, broadband. You know, all of these things that are important to us uh, as consumers, taxpayers, and residents of this country. They produce every four years. Uh, their grade card just came out in the last couple of weeks, and you can see all of those things. Yeah, uh, you can look at it state by state. You can look at it by category by category. It's actually really great information. Uh, and I was actually very fortunate, man. Prior to this, I actually jumped on a uh, a guest spot as an as a resident expert in infrastructure for a for a piece that's coming out. 
uh, talking about all these things because yeah. the, the number is staggering. The number is $17 trillion. There's 17, uh, yeah, $17 trillion worth of backlog out there. What that means is those are roadways that are at or below a specific threshold. That's the dollar that we'd have to have right now to fix all of it tomorrow. We can't do that. That's not going to happen. Yeah. So even yeah. if a large infrastructure bill gets pushed out, um, it's just crazy. You know, Seven, yeah. I, uh, 17, $17 million of backlog. $17 million. Million, million. backlog. Um, just in roadways. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Well, one thing I wanted to mention on that since you said this is that this is precisely what we talked about a few minutes ago is just that there's about to be a much higher demand for companies like yours because this has been a problem that has been overlooked for decades and decades. And you know what happens when you overlook a problem once, maybe it's okay. Twice, uh, you should probably attend to it. Third time is like, oh, fuck, we got to fix this. But guess what? The longer it remains a problem, the more expensive it becomes right. to fix, which means uh, that... You said you were coming out to our neck of the woods, like in St. Louis, is this that, you know, Missouri is pretty fucking bad when it comes to roadways. We've got a lot of potholes and we've got a lot of bad bridges because let's face it, especially in the St. Louis, the vicinity area, at least in the last 25 years, there's always construction. Always. I don't think there's been one single highway that has not had construction at any given month, let yeah. alone a day, let alone a year in the last 25 years. And you know what? <laughs> a lot of that construction goes for months and some even goes for years, which, so this, the reason I'm saying this is you're looking at $17 million of potential business. Now, even if you were to capture a third of that, that's still a yeah. sizable capture in the market. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, we, have a, we have a target on, on where we think we can get you pretty quickly in terms of revenue. Mm -hmm based on all of these factors that you're saying, you know, I'm yeah. also in that R and D game, man. I mean, one of them degrees on my wall, I mean, it is what it is. I, I got an IT degree, you know, so yeah. I love the data mine. So me yeah. being payment management, looking at combing through data is fun. I'm one of those weird dudes that loves Excel. I love being in there and getting into my element, man, uh, building five-year plans for cities and stuff like that. But um, we've done a lot of the analytics and the research and looking through things. We, we have a pretty good idea of where we can go as PMG with our current offering and it's exciting is the point to it. it's not about yeah the money is as an entrepreneur you get excited about those things because now we can probably start talking about joint ventures mergers acquisitions yeah. maybe you know getting involved with a large a e firm because now that now pnz is really on the radar you know what i mean yeah. Yeah. um but my point is it just tells me how much impact that's my favorite word yeah. because i'll tell you right now you talk about impact what's really sad is you hit the nail on the head St. Louis, every single municipality in our country is getting ready. It's March 18th. They're putting all the proposals out to go do contract work for roads. Yep. Now, whether they're doing the right thing or the wrong thing, they're still spending the money. They're still spending the money and it's billions of dollars are being spent. And what wow. do we see? We still see bad roads, bad roads. So there's got to be a breaking point and it's coming. It is coming very quickly. And what we yeah. want to be able to do is to be first in line, like a first responder to say, look, yeah. you finally have recognized the problem and acknowledged it. Thank God. Because a lot of city engineers don't want to do that or public works directors, whatever. Yeah. And it's not because that they don't want to improve. 
it's because, man, their job's on the line. You know what I'm saying? Like, they really are. Like, I, I understand the fight and the struggle all the way around. But yeah, I, my favorite client, my avatar is someone that says, hey, I recognize there's a problem. I know we can do better. Can you help provide the data to help tell that story so my council, my, my, my city, my constituent understands what we're trying to do? And then yeah. it's a match made in heaven, man. And, and that's, what, that's what we're out doing every day. But that's the sad part for me is I see billions of dollars spent anyway. It's it's budgeted for right now. It's going to be spent. And you and I are still going to be complaining about roads when it's done. You know, um, I've absolutely enjoyed the conversation. And I know I, we could probably go endlessly because there's just no so doubt. much value. <laughs> but um, just to cap it off, you know, real quick, um, you know, obviously as, as a veteran in the entrepreneurial space, I want to, I want to kind of put you on the spot for a second and I would love to hear your thoughts on as an entrepreneur, as a dreamer, as a go-getter, was there one thing in especially your last 20 plus years of your journey uh, that has really stood out to you as a constant, uh, as an advice that maybe you would give to other people that are dreaming or, you know, have visions and goals? What, what would that be? Oh yeah, dude. If not you, then who? I mean, Love that. It, just, it gives me goosebumps every time I say it. That's that's yeah. a recurring thing for 20 plus years, not just last yeah. week. That's something I read in a book yesterday. Dude, if you're a dreamer, you know, go ask all my kids or my, my, my real close kind of network, man. You're yeah. going to learn it. You're going to see it. My tagline is dream big, work hard, become legendary. Man, if you don't paint the vision, there's nothing to work hard for. And if you're not working hard for it, you will not be able to leave a legacy. That's just how I look at it. So the way I look at this is this pavement management stuff, dude, I, I came to like, it came to fruition several years ago. Like if, if I'm not going to have the passion for it, then who is? Someone has to do it, but it took this body of work and time and putting all the systems in place. So now I can really start getting out there and having that impact. So take that one, man. If, if not you, then I who? That. I mean, it's kind of cliched in the entrepreneurial space, but you're right, man. I've been doing this for a minute and it's something that I held my, I hung my hat on almost every day, 10, 15, 20 years ago. So I love that. And um, last but not least, you know, throw out some social handles, websites, how can people connect with you uh, in the social space? So if you just go to jamesgolden.me, okay. that is a direct link. Uh, to my personal site, you will, you will find everything you can about me on there. You'll find my bio, you'll find my, my, my headshots, my, my PR stuff, man, the articles I've been posting in. I'll yeah. post up this uh, interaction, um, you know, my Instagram, LinkedIn, all those things. But to throw a couple out there uh, on Instagram, I'm very active on my Golden Collective initiative. So at James Golden with the A, like a gold, okay. obviously. Um, on LinkedIn, just go search James Golden Pavement. I will pop right up. Uh, if you're interest, interested in see how I interact on the LinkedIn platform and the articles and things I've written about that, yeah. pavementmanagement.com was an expensive domain a few years ago, but I took advantage of it. Uh, that will lead you right to our company's website. So you need a little bit more information on what that company does. Yeah. And then finally, jg3consulting.com. I'm James Golden III. Um, I resurrected that. That was my initial company that I founded. Oh, okay. ago. Um, I recently resurrected that for my kind of coaching initiative that I'm working yeah, on. Yeah. Stuff like that, man. So James, man, absolutely amazing conversation. Love learning about uh, your journey 
love learning about what you're about to do. And I, I, I want to say congratulations to everything. Well-earned, well-deserved. You know, you've definitely, uh, I'm a huge admirer for anybody who, you know, paves their way and stops at nothing because they know that they have more inside of themselves in, in terms of potential and impact that they can create. So uh, congratulations and everything. And I thank you for jumping on the podcast. Yeah, I appreciate you a million percent, man. Uh, anytime I get an opportunity to, to chop it up with high performers like yourself and other entrepreneurs, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. Uh, and you hit on something very, very good, man. Uh, Pave the way. That's that's one of my taglines for PNG. I put that at the end of a lot of my posts, man. It's, it's about leadership. And one thing that I really learned from you today that I really like was um, how the best one of